Welcome to episode 2 of Irish Startup Nation. In today's episode we'll be speaking to Finn Pegler from Cork who's based in London and will be sharing his experience with the strategy of ready, fire, aim, of getting to market early and tailoring your business to your customers needs. Irish Startup Nation will share the stories of Irish business owners and founders all over the globe and hopefully through sharing their stories there'll be lots of tips and tricks and lessons learned that will help you on your journey as well. So let's get started. Finn Pegler, ready, fire, aim. All right, Finn, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. So for our listeners out there, can you give us a quick snapshot of where you are and what you're doing right now? And then maybe we can dig a bit deeper into how you got to where you are. Okay, thanks for having me on, Connor. So right now, I'm based in London, UK. Last year, I finished up a year's master's program in the States, which is the esteem program. Uh, It's a year-long intensive Masters to do with technical entrepreneurship, basically. That's what I did last year. I'm in London. I worked with Ford for about 10 months as a product development engineer, but really realized that I wasn't too interested in cars and much more interested in startups. So I left and I'm working on two different startups, one of which is Deluxe Made. It's a made cleaning service based in the States. And then there's one which is here in the UK, which is Beanbox. Great, great. So you grew up in Ireland and you obviously were in university with me and we both came from Clonakilty. But as you came to the end of your engineering degree, what convinced you to pursue that master's program abroad? The master's program that was, I guess, not engineering focused, but rather helping engineers and scientists um, get familiar with the business world and help them to launch new technology. What was it that made you change your mind? Being honest, entrepreneurship wasn't really on my radar at all before I got accepted to the program. I was really interested in the States. I went to my third year, studied abroad in North Carolina, loved it. And then you obviously went away and did your, your second year abroad in the esteem program. And I just I just really wanted to go abroad again. So basically, I wasn't really that interested in businesses or startups and things. And I'm so, so lucky and glad that I, I got accepted and then went because I really enjoy startups. I love working for them. I love the freedom, the excitement, and without the, the year abroad, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have opened my eyes up, really. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we had Kieran Murphy on for the last episode t- telling us in depth about the Esteem program. So maybe as we transition into the learning about your startups, could you tell us a bit about the project you worked on during the Esteem program? Yes. Myself and another Irish guy who was there that year, Daniel Collins, we were working on Fitbits. So this was a wearable device, much like the Fitbit but aimed at children. The idea was they'd have this little screen with their favorite characters from the iPad games they play or on TV. And when they're inside being sedentary, taking it easy, they vibrate and encourage them to go outside and play. And once they're going outside, playing, running, basketball, whatever, their little character would be happy, they gain points, and they can use these points back in the games they play. Oh, cool. So that was the general idea. Cool, so it's like um, Tamagotchi meets Fitbit. And where is that project right now? My friend out there, Daniel Collins, who who's my co-founder, he is still working on it. It's taking a different direction away from hardware and more into kind of an educational idea that goes into schools and encourages kids to be more active. So it's still going. It hasn't gone the hardware route. That's quite a tough route to go. Cool. We did quite well during the year. We the McCloskey Business Plan Competition. We reached the semifinals of that and we got a few prizes of a three-month incubator stay down in Silicon Valley, but we actually didn't take them up on that in the end. So it's based in South Bend, and it's still going. It's just not a hardware route. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. So it's a really cool experience to work with a technology that the professor was trying to commercialize and just to help them craft the commercialization plan and getting the opportunity to enter it into these business plan competitions and get exposure to the alumni network of Notre Dame has access to all these funders and founders that can kind of help you on your way. So as you transitioned away from that and moved to a job at Ford in London, I guess you were telling us that you had you now had this desire to work with startups. And could you tell us what was your first startup idea? What did you pursue initially after Esteem as you worked with Ford product development? As I was working at Ford, I, I wanted to do something on the side just to just to really learn. It was actually concurrent when I was working at Ford. I'd come home and I'd work on a startup called Giggle. So this was a babysitting service based in London. I came across a guy on Reddit called Rohan Gilks who set up a cleaning website and then also the back-end service that manages bookings and things like that. So I took this and kind of changed it to the babysitting market. I kind of just wanted to get out there as quickly as possible, minimum cost, have a nice-looking website, of course, but but minimum viable product and found out that no one wanted it. Parents really want to know what babysitters are coming to them. They're going to want to have a reference from a friend. Just finding them online isn't what they want. So I didn't get any bookings, ransom marketing channels, things like that, and it just didn't work out. So I had to pivot. Okay, so that's something we learned at the ASEAN program was rather than investing several months into pursuing an idea and perfecting the idea, the website, the business plan, and then launching and realizing as a failure, rather than that, they really schooled us to get out there quickly, get a minimum viable product as you spoke of, get it up there available to the customers to see if there's a demand, to see if people genuinely want the product or not. And that's something that you did very well. I think within a couple of weeks, you had a fully functional website, a brand marketing channel set up, and you just realized that there were problems with the business model and that it wasn't gonna fly. A great example of this sort of ready, fire, aim strategy where you launch the idea and then after a couple of weeks of figuring out how you're interacting with the customers and what the customers really want, then you start to aim and really define what your value proposition is, which in this case, I mean, you had to kill that product and move on to another one. So what was your next gig? Because I know you have a couple in the pipeline at the moment. So the next one I moved on to and I'm still working on is Deluxe Made. So this was basically moving back to the cleaning route. I've set up a cleaning site in South Bend, Indiana, where the University of Notre Dame is. And it was, again, a ready, fire, aim approach. Kind of launched it. I will say when you're launching an MVP, it has to have the basics and it also has to look nice. Mm -hmm. If you have a website, anything with bad design just isn't going to convert. Even if the idea is good, it can lead to no bookings or no sales if the design isn't spot on. So if you invest in design and a good designer, and then if you have the basics there, it, it should take off. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's it. The cleaning site's been up and running for about two months now, and we're doing well. We're getting a few bookings every week, and it's growing slowly, so I'm really happy with that. So this is a really interesting concept. You're based in London, but you're running a cleaning company out of South Bend, Indiana, a mid-sized city close to Chicago. Let's try and explain this to the listeners a bit more. Can you tell us about how you identified the problem? You identified during your time at school that there was like a need for a quicker, more convenient way to book a cleaning service. But you found there was no way to book it easily. All these cleaning sites required that you have people over to visit, to give you a quote. It was a very messy booking process and you simplified that. So could you tell us about like why your solution is so much better than the status quo? This business model, I won't claim to, to have come up with it. It was, it was that guy, 
Rohan Jilks who kind of defined it. Um, easy booking process, high quality cleaners. You vet them, you background check them, and just really professional service. When I was there, I did notice that there was a lack of easy cleaning services, so it was the perfect kind of mix. I just take this model that he tells you how to do it, and he shows you how to do it, and he provides the back-end system, and then I just applied it to South Bend. It's just a better service all around. Professional quality, easier to book. All the bookings there are online. You can cancel if you need to, um, reschedule. That's very cool. So within 60 seconds, someone can go on your website. It's a very clean, crisp website. In a couple of clicks, they can book a cleaner for a specific time, and basically you've taken something that was like an arduous headache to book some simple service such as house cleaning and you've made it simple so people can get it done in a couple of seconds rather than this headache. Now we're gonna transition onto your most recent endeavor, the one that you've been involved with, with the founder. Could you tell us about this one that you're working on currently? It's called Beambox. So Beambox is a plug and play device primarily aimed at the hospitality industry, which allows them to automate their marketing and track their customers. So that's a lot of buzzwords there, but basically it's this little white device called the Beambox. We send it out to restaurants, cafes, and bars for free, and they plug it into the Wi-Fi, and then when their customers want to use their free Wi-Fi, they log in with their Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or email. And from here, there's a back-end system called Mission Control that the restaurant owner or manager or marketing manager logs onto. They can send out email blasts. So if it's been two weeks since someone's been in your premise, you can send an email, come in, here's a 10% coupon or a free drink. If it's their birthday a week before, like here's a £10 gift voucher if you come in and have your party with us, things like that. So that's the automating marketing side of things. And then there's the tracking customer side of things. The Beanbox Mission Control pulls the social demographics off the Facebook or the Twitter or the LinkedIn tells you their age, name, location, job, things like that. And then you can look at trends, see how your business is doing, certain genders or certain ages, and try and increase marketing these channels to the ones that are most profitable. Mm-hmm. So that's the overview. So this is great. This is like identifying a need that these small businesses have. Oftentimes they have trouble managing their marketing spend. It's very difficult to identify who their customers are and identify how to market back to them. And what you've spoken about is really tapping into remarketing to loyal customers already. How can you tap into a customer who's had a good experience at your restaurant and bring them back time and time again? Yeah. So Beanbox is cashing in on two growing trends. Email marketing, it's easily it's easily tracked. You can see your, your percentage open rates, things like that. It's free, it can be automated, and then the other side is, is remarketing. If you target customers that have already been in your premise, they're much more likely to come back, and they're also proven to spend more. It's really a great tool for small business owners like restaurants um, to grow a mailing list and have, let's say, two or 3,000 people mm-hmm. in your location that you can send offers to, you can tell them about live events that are coming up. It's just really a great tool, and the customers we're working with at the moment are really loving it. Mm-hmm. So it's a really captivating idea because, as many of you know, I mean, working in the service industry, you're pretty bogged down every day just in the running of the business. And while you might know there's all these bells and whistles that you can have to help market your company, it's often something that gets put on the back burner and it's very difficult to get to. So the idea of automating this is like a, an incredible advantage over other offerings out there. And I think Beanbox is really coming in at an interesting point in capturing the, the customer's details rather than 
trying to convince them just to sign up for a mailing list, which oftentimes people don't want to, you capture them at that point where you're you're offering them a service. So as they log into Wi-Fi, they really want to log into the Wi-Fi to maybe check their email or browse the internet. At that point, you're asking them just for a quick login, log in through Facebook, log in through LinkedIn, just so we can capture basic details so we can contact you again in the future. So very interesting. Yeah. I think you touched on a good point there about managers kind of getting caught up in running the business. I think a lot of small or medium businesses, the owners get caught up on working in the business as opposed to working on the business. It'd be much better for them to just hire people to work behind the bar and then concentrate on marketing. And Beanbox allows you to automate this for the most part, which is really useful to them and really can drive their profits. Okay, so that's great. Um, it's like a, a very clear value proposition um, to a customer segment that really needs help because they're bogged down in the day-to-day operations of the company so you're really offering them a captivating uh, solution to a problem that every small business owner has especially in the service industry maybe for our listeners kind of beef out a bit where you are in development like do you have customers right now let's start there yeah we have seven beta customers at the moment and we got these customers through a range of different ways twitter we got some press in some local publications here and a few cold emails out to restaurants and things like that. So we're in one chain uh, in three locations, and then six other people have ordered bean boxes. Mm-hmm. And they're all on the free plan. They've all signed up with their credit card details. And then once you reach 150 profiles, when 150 customers have logged on and used the service, then they get pushed onto the, the independent plan. That's priced at £37.50 a month. So that's great. You're based in London. You've got seven customers. And I think something I want to highlight there is a really interesting sales strategy that you have. It's sort of like the freemium model. Oftentimes when companies ask you to sign up straight away for a paid plan, it's very intimidating. And the, like, the barrier to conversion is a lot higher because people aren't necessarily convinced they should sign up. But you're offering them the ability to sign up for free, get their feet wet with this product and really see the value of it before they ever get charged a penny. And I think that's fantastic. And and it's really yeah. something that's working very well. Yeah, we're very confident that these restaurants love the service. It's been brilliant so far, the feedback we've got. So we're very happy to give out free boxes if it means that 80 or 90% of them are just going to be upgraded to the independent plan when they hit 150 customers. And at that point, have already realized a good deal of profit from our service. But then realizing that once you've got 150 customers, the next step is 1,000. And that's way, way, way more lucrative than 150. Mm-hmm. We're pretty confident that between 80 and 90 are going to be happy to continue. And if they're not happy, they haven't lost anything, we haven't lost anything, we get the beanbox back and that's it really. Your revenue stream is very interesting there also. Could you explain how your product is priced? Yeah, there's a, the free plan, which we send out the free beanbox, and then they have up to 150 customer profiles on that and 15,000 emails per month. And then once they move above 150 customer profiles, it's just a flat rate of 37.50 a month forever per location. And then if you have two or three locations, you're better off with the increased plan, which is 67.50 a month. And then we have custom solutions for larger chains and things like that. When we get to a point when we're working with big businesses that have 50 locations, it'll be a custom quote for each of those bean boxes. Cool. And then the, the other aspect of the business model was the subscription type business that it is, where you have recurring revenue coming in every month. So as long as you keep these customers happy and they're happy with the product, they're getting sufficient value out of it, they're automatically billed every month for the service. So it, it's phenomenal from a business perspective where you have this revenue stream that pays every month and you can focus on acquiring new customers. 
You've got seven beta customers. Everyone seems delighted with the product. What is next for Beanbox? Have you got the production costs down to a point that you're able to scale or what's next in line for you guys? So at the moment, we're raising a pre-seed round of funding. We got approved for a Cedars campaign, which is crowdfunding for equity for startups. And that'll be going live this week. So check out cedars.com if you're an investor looking to invest. Mm -hmm. We also have some interest from angels. So we're not sure Cedars is the route to go, but we think we think it'll be a successful campaign. So we're just going to push that through. I just think it'll be a quicker turnaround than going through the angel route. So this is something pretty new for our customers, I think, crowdfunding, first of all, but then crowdfunding for equity. So I think we all probably have a basic understanding of crowdfunding. We've seen these campaigns on Kickstarter, whereby a company will launch a campaign looking to raise money in return for rewards, maybe to get early access to the product, or they get a t-shirt with the company's name on it. So there's been countless successes with regards to crowdfunding, but you're, t you're talking about this sort of new concept or a follow-on concept, which is crowdfunding funding for equity so you're telling us that us as listeners we can go to cedars once you've launched your campaign and we can invest in your company in return for ownership in that company is that correct yes i'm not sure about the legislation in the states but i don't think it's legal right mm -hmm. now to crowdfund equity but in the uk and europe it is basically we are offering up six percent of beanbox in return for seventy thousand pounds and there are different options like preferred options or convertible note. It's all on the website, cedars.com. It, it opens up angel investing or investing in young early stage startups to the, the more average Joe. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So anyone can become an investor. You can browse all these projects that are currently on Cedars and other platforms, identify products or services that you think are going to be successful or you're passionate about. You can invest your money and you get direct ownership in that company. And as Finn said, they're like different levels of ownership defined on the website. So very, very interesting. Anyone back in Ireland or in the US looking to invest in Beanbox, if you think it's a captivating idea, go over to Cedars and look for the campaign. We'll have all the details for the things we've spoken about in the show notes today. So just check out Irish Startup Nation and look for this episode. So Finn and I grew up in Clannacilty. One specific memory I have of him was coming home late one August evening after doing a 10-hour shift. And Finn came up to me and said that he had just won a poker tournament online. And he had earned more money in that one poker tournament that I had earned all summer. From that, I knew that Finn was going to go on and do something out of the ordinary. Could you tell us a bit about your brief time as like an online poker player? So yeah, I just got into it. My brother played a little bit of poker online and I just really liked lots of things about it. The competitive aspect, an analyzing poker hands and things like that, logical thinking. I, I played in my spare time to kind of for a bit of extra pocket money or I don't know, it got a bit bigger than that, but it put me through college anyway. So it was, it was like a job. This is how you got yourself through college. Yeah, poker yeah, yeah. Online. I yeah, started out with a few losses, obviously, I had maybe two or three hundred down the drain. And then I was like, at one point, okay, this is my last 50 euros. I'm going to just put it in. If I, if I lose this, then I'm just going to have to give up. And I managed to turn that into four years worth of playing poker and enjoying myself. I mean, going through the end of secondary school and into college, poker was your source of revenue. You weren't working part-time. It was, it was your job. So give our listeners a sort of idea of how much you were able to make in that few short years working from home on a computer, just playing poker. So I think over the four years I played, I made over $100,000. Oh, pretty impressive stuff. All right, now we're going to move on to our quick fire round. So Finn, where is your home away from home? You've obviously been out of Ireland for a couple of years now. Where is it that you go that reminds you of home? London is kind of a home to me. 
my mum grew up here. Uh, I did grow, spend all of my life in Ireland, so I, I consider myself Irish. But I have a lot of family in London and got an auntie just bus trip away and a very good um, family friend down south in Brixton. So London's got to be it. I live in a big house here with eight other Irish people. This is definitely the moment when you ask that question. This has got to be my home away from home. Next question. We all have 50 apps on our phone. A lot of them are absolute junk. But what is an app that you use day to day that other listeners can really benefit from to help them in their day to day activities, especially if they're thinking about launching a business? Slack has got to be it for me. I'm working a few teams and having different conversations with different people about different ventures. And just anytime you have a group of more than two, Slack is amazing for communication. So, Slack is this app whereby you can set up different teams, let's say for different companies, and then within that, you can have different different channels where you have conversations about different projects. Um, so for instance, you might have one for Beanbox and you'll have one with your one discussion talking about marketing, one talking about the technical development of the product, and maybe another one talking about branding. So it's, it's very easy, very intuitive, very suited to like mobile platforms and really helps like different teams communicate very easily. And you can plug it in easily to things like Google Drive, Dropbox. So it really offers an amazing solution for startups. And as you said, you, you can manage multiple teams, multiple companies through it. So check out Slack, everybody. That's S-L-A-C-K. Last question. So there's a lot of early stage ventures around the world being pursued by Irish people. And that was like a large motivation of this podcast to try and capture some of these like amazing stories that are going on by people at home and abroad. So is there a specific startup that you're really interested in at the moment that you know has come out of Ireland? I'm interested in the story of Ada. So that's A-Y-D-A.co is a website. They're um, a fertility tracking hardware and software company. So they have this little device that the women wear in their armpit and it connects to the smartphone and then they can track their fertility cycle uh, really easily, really intuitively um, using graphs and data. So it's for couples that are trying to get pregnant, essentially. And it's really cool. started by a guy from Cork called um, Ian Kearns with a few co-founders and they're over in a, in a hardware accelerator over in Silicon Valley. So they have a little bit of funding and they're, they're working on bringing that to the, the big stage, which is really exciting. Fantastic. So they're in the thick of it out there in Silicon Valley in that accelerator at the moment. And we'll post more details about that company in the show notes. All right, Finn. So as we close out the show, something we like to ask is for a key takeaway for our listeners, what would be one piece of advice you'd have for people that are thinking of going out on their own, setting up their own business? So I think keep it simple. If you want to own your own business, try and do something first that you can manage yourself and something you can launch within, let's say, a month. Don't try and create an Uber for the housing market or something like that. Don't try and create the next Google. Try, try a local service like a cleaning website, a moving company, something like that, that you can get a freelance, put a website together and get it launched within a month. You can validate the market pretty quickly. It's very cost effective and just keep it simple because that's your best route to entrepreneurship, learning the basic idea of, of starting a company quickly, easily and cheaply. And then maybe not your first, second or third one will work, but hopefully your fourth or fifth and sixth will. Mm -hmm. So it's great advice. I think a lot of people struggle actually making that leap into the startup world or owning their own business. It can be very intimidating and oftentimes like a lot of ideas people have are too big and too outlandish to conquer. So your advice of, you know, keep it simple, find something that works, that you can get your feet wet with business ownership and startups. And from there 
the world is your oyster and there's a million opportunities open to everyone but just making that first step is key to like whet your appetite get have a good experience and kind of plan your next your next big thing Thanks for joining us on the show today, Finn. As I said, all the all the stuff we spoke about today will be available in the show notes. We'd also have Finn's contact information there if you want to reach out to him about Beanbox, about their campaign on Cedars. We'll have all the contact information there. So feel free to reach out to him. And as we said, this is an equity crowdfunding campaign. So you, the listeners, can have ownership in his company if you're willing to you know, invest. It's a fantastic opportunity. It's open to anyone. Check it out. And thank you very much, Finn. Thanks, Connor. It's been great to chat and catch up. Speak to you soon. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on Irish Startup Nation. And make sure to head over to irishstartupnation.com where you can access all of the show notes with links and all the information you need to everything that we spoke about today. You'll also be able to sign up for our mailing list so you'll get notified of when the next episode launches.